Yes, it is Wednesday. It's February 28th. This is the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. Radio Tab, a very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening. We have teams for the four teams to start the season in Vegas on Sunday. Our time, no doubt, we'll talk about them this morning. We've got the the NBL, those two big playoff games tonight. The Matildas play tonight as well. There's FA Cup on uh, this morning, fifth round action. It's a day before the New Zealand-Australia two-test series as well. So plenty to sink our teeth into on this Wednesday. And uh, we have our, of course, Vegas correspondent over there taking in all the sights and sounds of America's party capital. Loz, morning to you, mate. What madness have you seen in the last 24 hours? What's doing over there? How are you? Yeah, good morning, boys. Um, no, it's been pretty quiet by Vegas standards. Um, obviously, a few more Aussies starting to roll in, which was good. I saw a few more jerseys uh, from teams, uh, supporters over here. Uh, good vibe at uh, a lot of the casinos. I, I did the walk around because you can walk on the strip or you can walk through the casinos. Uh, just to sort of test it. So I walked from where we are we are up at the top at um, near the Wynn um, Hotel, and then we walked down to Mandalay Bay. So I walked down there and had a bit of a look, and um, the stadium's just across the road from there. But went across the other side and did the MGM Grand and um, Paris Hotel, and there's a yeah, there's a few Aussies that I, I ran into, certainly more than the previous night, and there's a truckload more coming in today and tomorrow. Uh, so there's a bit of a vibe just starting to happen, but obviously it's all with the Australians. Americans are asking what's going on, and talking to a lot of Americans, you try to explain the game to them. Um, they've heard of rugby, but I'm unsure of whether it's, I think it's rugby union rather than rugby league, so you try and explain the, the differences to them, um, and they all seem sort of um, keen in saying that it sounds like a crazy type of game, but there's plenty of advertising uh, billboards around. Um, again, keep seeing it on television. Um, and the streets are starting to, to have some Aussies flow through it up up and down the strip and all through the, the casinos, Mido. So, yeah, it's, it's starting to, to pick up. Well, nothing quite beats explaining cricket to Americans, does it, uh, Pup? Morning to you, mate. Yeah, morning, boys. Morning to our listeners. Yeah, not easy. Um you just give up, don't you? Well, no, I think showing them T20 is the best introduction. Um, they obviously compare cricket to baseball. Um, so hitting a six is no different to hitting a home run. Um, you just try, yeah, you try your best. But yeah, I think the yeah the best way to um, to explain it is let them sit there and watch and you just got to deal with a million questions, which is fair enough. If you didn't understand baseball or NFL or basketball and... We would do the same, um, but yeah, interesting to see. Interesting to see how many Australians go to the game versus new viewers, mm. new watchers. I think that's going to be, you know, to me, if it's yeah, if, we, if we've got thirty thousand Australians flying over to what to to fill thirty thousand seats, then mate, we should have played at Homebush. So yeah, I just I, I, it seems like from even speaking to Adam Reynolds yesterday, speaking to Loz, it seems like there's a stack of billboards and um, TV commercials. So there's we're trying our best to promote it as well as we can. Now I think it's about um, you know suck it and see, wait and see who who turns up, what numbers they get, how many people, and then also the other the other concern, which 
I think the athletes are that good these days. You just first game of the season could be a little. There could be a little bit of rust from the players, but these guys are that good. I'm sure they'll put on a show anyway. Loz, did you find one of the sports books over there in the casinos and check one of those out? I, I did, Mido. I sent a photo to Dave. What it looked like. Um, I didn't get a chance to see all of them, but they're very good. I mean, you can sit there all day and you get served with drinks. You've got the the racing going on. You've got the sport uh, happening. And it's amazing how many people sit there all day and that's their their punting. Um, Obviously, you know, at a casino, it's it's more about the tables and the, the poker machines, but yeah, there was a lot of people at the sports book yesterday just sitting there drinking. And it's funny, you know, Vegas, it doesn't sleep. You, like, I went to the gym this morning and got down there about 7 o'clock and there's still plenty of people around that either haven't been to bed or just starting <laughs> starting their day off and they're, they're, they're punting and, and, and drinking. Um, but it's just a, a good vibe. I went and had a walk on the strip and uh, it's another good day here, Mitter. Uh, the weather has been fantastic. It's been shorts and T-shirts. Beautiful. It's supposed to change on Saturday, but I don't think that'll affect the players uh, because of it's an indoor stadium. Um, so it'll be temperature controlled. So there'll be no excuses for um, you know, a good game of football. Um, but yeah, it's it's starting to, to, to pick up here. Obviously, Vegas is just one of those joints you can sit and look all day. Uh, there's plenty of sights and sounds. Um, uh, but at the moment, it's... Uh, it's uh, a good day, sun's out, blue sky, and people are just starting to to walk up and down the strip again. It's getting real when we see teams listed, and uh, great to see, just great to see when I saw the Manly team. Tom Trebojevic, he's set to play his first NRL match since round 15 last year. Uh, recruit Nathan Brown, who was on a train and trial deal, and then he got a spot in the top 30 there at the, the, the Seagulls. He got himself a spot on the bench, and Souths have named Cody Walker, who's uh, passed some fitness tests. Uh, after having a bit of a calf injury that kept him out of the All-Stars game. And what about 28-year-old Jacob Gagai? Uh, Dane Gagai's brother, he's set to make his debut on the wing. And uh, some interest in the centres there at South, considering Jack White and suspended. And, of course, Campbell Graham's got that lengthy injury. Uh, so Richie Kenner and Isaiah Tass named to start in the centres for the Bunnies. And former Sea Eagle Sean Kepi's been named to start in the front row there as well. Naturally, we'll uh, do our tips tomorrow, Loz, but uh, what do you make of those sides, Manly and Souths? Oh, I think that they're both very good sides. Um, obviously, the weakness for South Sydney, I mean, when you're looking at it, there's a couple of big name misses uh, missing in Whiten and Campbell Graham, but if they were slotted into that team, um, and, and along with Tyrone Munro, um, that's a very good football team. That's 17. But they'll need a bit of depth as you go on through the year with injuries and representative football. Um, so Souths, with that roster, they should be playing finals football. Um, I like the look of Manly. I think they've got strike and they've got speed out wide. You know, Tom is uh, very quick. Jason Saar, very quick. Uh, Tulu Cooler uh, is, is very quick. Uh, Garrick is very quick. And then you've got the creativity of Daly Cherry Evans and the running game of Luke Brooks. And, and Brooks is deceptively quick as well. So that stands out for me. Um, just when you look at it on paper, it looks as though, it looks as though like Manly, um, their forwards are all workers and they've got that strike in Ola Kowatu and you know, Ben Trebojevic. You know, but you've got 
uh, Jake Trebojevic, Josh Alawai, um, Teniel Paseka. Uh, these type of guys are in for a big afternoon because I see that's where South's strength is uh, with this football team. And they, they have to be strong, South. If, if, if Cody Walker and Latrell are to do their thing and young Lachlan Ilias, then Totola, Kepi gets a start. Uh, Tom Burgess comes off the interchange bench. But, you know, a back row of Kaloma Tini, Jai Arrow and Cam Murray uh, doesn't get much better than that. Papa, on the eve of the second test, uh, sorry, the first test of two tests uh, as well, and a bit of a shock from across the Tasman that Neil Wagner, who had success, of course, against Steve Smith uh, when uh, the Kiwis were last in Australia playing test matches, 37 years of age, announced his retirement on the eve of this series. He was told by selectors he wouldn't be part of the series. So, uh, decent record, 260 wickets at 27.57 in 64 tests. In fact, his strike rate, 52.7. Only the great Sir Richard Hadley has a better record for New Zealand, for New Zealand bowlers with more than 100 wickets. Uh, so, they're going... Well, they've got this good young quick in Willow Rourke. Um, they got the likes of Henry, obviously, Southie as well. Uh, so, they've told Wagner... We're probably not going to go with you. Despite the success he had against Smith, which is probably a surprise on our front, but these are different wickets, aren't they? Yeah, and I don't think you can pick uh, a bowler for one batter either. Mm. Steve Smith's opening the batting as well. So if you think about that, Wagner mightn't get to bowl to him <laughs> if they bowl well. Yeah, and, and it sounds like, uh, which is very smart by New Zealand, they're going to leave some grass on the wicket. So there's going to be some movement. Steve Smith's opening the batting. So, you know, Wagner probably bowling... At best, first probably second change in that team anyway. So, um, yeah, look, he's been he's been very good for New Zealand cricket. He's got he had his own style. He, he left arm used that short ball really well. Yes, he had success against Steve Smith a couple of, on a couple of occasions. But yeah, I, I think unfortunately for for all of us, there comes a time. Um, some people walk away on their own accord. Some people, you know, you don't get selected, and that uh, is the defining moment that you. You walk away, other people get injured. So, yeah, he should be very proud of the career he's had, what he's done for New Zealand cricket. Um, yeah, he, he, he was one of those players that just seemed to find a way, no matter what the conditions were like. Uh, you could always throw him the ball and he'd, he'd have a crack for you. Um, you can only imagine the toll bowling as many short pitch deliveries it would, would take on, on your body as well. So physical, fit, physically fit and strong. And then to always put the team first, it, you know, you can see the, the response for his teammates and um, other people as well that have played alongside him, um, how much he's going to be missed. But, yeah, I think he, he can certainly walk away with his head held high and had a wonderful career for New Zealand. Lots of Vegas. Front page of the telly in the Courier-Mail. High stakes cartoon there. Uh, and just, well, there's a 24-page lift-out previewing the season in uh, the major uh, Metropolitan Papers, News Corp Papers in Sydney and Brisbane today. So there you go there. Uh, by the way, Loz, question on the text line here. Morty boys, question for Loz. We've got a couple of mates in Vegas. They're telling me the price of food and alcohol is a disgrace. Is that the case in your opinion? Uh, yeah, it is a bit exy, um, but I'm unsure of whether they've yeah, put the price up for the week or whether that's just the world we live in at the moment. But, um, yeah, no... Like even for a like a cup of coffee, like I just have an espresso, it's it's around five fifty six bucks. Jeez, so US. What? So you're getting towards ten bucks Australian, or nine bucks Australian. Yeah, yeah. So Jeez, for, just just for a nip, just for a nip. Yep, 
Oh. So it is a, it is a, it is a bit expensive. But again, oh, that's in the hotels too. Mm. Um, out and about, I'm unsure of um, what prices are. But I think if you look around, you can find you know places with with good deals. Um, I think it's just a matter of staying out of the the uh, the casinos and finding somewhere on the strip that's a little bit cheaper. Mm. Uh, back page of the Daily Telegraph. The Rock is there. Hollywood star, a target for NRL USA. Let's Rock is the headline. Another. Can you fill me in, boys, about this story? So it's just I'm just starting to hear a little bit about it, and they're trying to start a competition in America. Is that right? Under the NRL banner? Well, they want to get backing from the NRL. Uh, so they're get, having a meeting with the ARL Commission. Uh, these backers, I think it's an Australian bloke, uh, is looking to start Rugby League America over there. And, you know, would love to it even to be called NRL America and get some backing from our national body. Uh, so they're looking at, well, there's 10 teams that are proposed for this competition. And, uh, yeah, his name's Steve Scanlon, an Australian who's trying to, to – he said, you know, we're not – this isn't Mickey Mouse. They're trying to do it properly. And, naturally, they, they need – for each individual side, they need backers. And uh, The Rock, they're approaching to hopefully get behind one of them. As he backed, I believe, the Samoa uh, World Cup bid uh, heading into tw- – oh, sorry, their World Cup campaign heading into 2022 when they, they of course, made the final against Australia. So, uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> – I don't know whether the NRL would align themselves like this, Loz, but uh, I guess it depends how all the numbers add up. But uh, everyone, I guess, you know, when, when a venture like this happens, and particularly expats living over there, yeah, opportunity, how can we get involved or get people involved with us? Well, everyone wants to be a part of it, don't they? And if you can spread the word and it's viable, you can have a competition with 10 teams and you've got people prepared to back it um, and people with... Uh, money, then obviously they're going to be there for you know be there for a period of time to try and give it success and, and build off the momentum that the league is trying to create over here. So any time you can spread the word and get yeah. people to play the game is a bonus. Um, I, I was reading about it overnight, and in particular about the Rock being involved, and he did get involved with the um, Samoa campaign. Now, how much he got involved and how much he knows about the game, I'm unsure. Uh, but he did send a, a cheerio message to Samoa. Um, but it'd be great to see uh, those type of people involved um, because I think that once they get a look at our game, they will fall in love with it. Th- that's the thing about rugby league. I think if people get access to it, they can watch it, understand it, then they will start to like it. And if they start to like it, they can start selling the game to people to play it and then hopefully they can develop a pathways system or a competition over here that might be credible and might have some legs and it might give players an opportunity towards the end of their careers to come over here and play. Well, they have established pretty well Major League Rugby over there in the States, uh, Loz, and we've seen some, you know, some ex-Wallabies go over there and play for you know San Diego Legion, or I can't even remember what the teams are called, but I know that uh, they have games broadcast on Fox Sports as well, so... Uh, when you look at that, I guess they're thinking, well, here's an opportunity here, particularly with the, the NRL coming to America to cash in. So no doubt entrepreneurs would love to meet with Peter Volandis and see what they can do. So we'll see what comes out of it. Uh, there's also a story in the back page of the, of the telly about, you know, there's just the 
the gambling situation over in the States, how it's all opened up and uh, the headline, NRL eyes slice of $120 billion as that uh, market over there starts to mature from a gambling perspective in the States. Uh, back page of the City Morning Herald. What about this, pup? Smith wants rule change to dismiss body line 2.0 uh, is the headline here. And, uh, well, naturally he was asked, to, even though Wagner's retiring and considering the barrage he got last time. But he says, I'll read a couple of his direct quotes here in the Herald, I think there could be some slight rule changes in terms of balls going down the leg side when you set that field. You could, you can't, you really can't hit the ball anywhere in front of the wicket, really. And I feel like it is almost like when a, a spinner comes over the wicket and they get a warding down the leg side, then they start getting widened and basically says uh, the quicks, that should happen to the quicks as well. So they just bowl, keep bowling, you know, sort of just outside leg stump to the right-hander, say, for instance. Mm. Does it get to a point where you should, and you just stay on that course, should the umpire call a wide after, say, a warning or two? Oh, I haven't thought about it enough, Mido, to be honest. Um, I, I think when Smitty's in his prime, they're just looking at ways to get him out, aren't they? Mm. I think there's... I guess it's just the negative bowling, I suppose. Should, well, should they be penalised for it? Is it negative it? bowling? If it, it keeps it, going outside leg stump... But... If you get one right, you get lobs up, caught bat pad, caught leg slip, tries to take on a hook shot, caught fine leg. Like, to me, it's also a tactic. It's You're looking at someone... That, that That's the advantage of technology. You're studying a weakness. And when you're a great player, like he is, there's not many. So, you know, I'd like it if I just bowled outside off half volleys. I'd still be playing. Would you mind just keep on there for the next 15 yeah. years? Like, you, you can't it's, – it's like same thing. And, and, I, and I sit here, uh, you know, after seeing, you know, my best mate get hit with a short delivery and he passed away on a cricket field. So I'm as, as protective of someone's safety as, as anyone in, in my sport. But, you know, you, that short pitch bowling is a massive part of cricket. It, what it what it does, forget the ball, it, it sits you on the back foot. So then the ball that's pitched up, you're not as comfortable just leaning forward, taking a big stride to go forward to because you've you've had a few short pitch deliveries. So I, I still think it's a massive part of the game. I, I, I want to see it still involved. Um, yes, maybe, like anything, if it gets out of control, if he's bowled, you know, if it's five back of a length as in, you know, there's a bouncer rule already mm. above the shoulder rule. But if there's five back of a length deliveries that are down the leg side, an umpire will probably call it a wide. They'll probably warn the bowler or speak to the captain and call it a wide anyway. So The umpires should take initiative. I think the I think they do. I think they I think yeah. they do against exactly like Smitty mentioned, if it was the spinner, I think they would probably let the bowl let the spinner know that, mate, that's that's three. If you bowl another one down there I'm going to call it a wide. I think they would do this in in this instance instance as well. So, yeah. Or I, I just know you know bowling short has there's a lot of reasons behind that, and to some batters, that's their greatest weakness. Mm. You know they they're much better off the front foot than they are the back foot. So, if that's a tactic to get one of the the greats out, then I'd imagine teams. Are certainly going to use it. Friday, March 15. It's a big day at Kembla Grange, the Illawarra Men Classic Day, the running of the Peroni Kembla Grange Classic that day as well. So, big day at Kembla. Friday, March 15. Plenty of great hospitality will be there on the day. And, uh, well, one option's the Punters Pavilion to be hosted by Sky Racing and Big Sports Breakfast form expert Brad Davidson. 
You can get a reserved seat in the Lawn Marquee, a Kembler Grange stubby holder, a cheeseburger, chips, and two punters club units for $40 per person. Now, all tickets are via Mosh Ticks, but we've got some punters pavilion double passes to give away this week. Uh, now, today, we want to know which horse you were tipping uh, today at Rose Hill Gardens. Uh, I believe the midweek meeting at Rose Hill Gardens. In fact, you can go anywhere. Just anywhere. Any great tip today. Uh, we'll take them anywhere. Yeah, it's a midweek meeting at Rose Hill. Seven race card there. First to jump at 20 past two. So text us in 0419767272. We'll pick a few to read out to Davo. And he can select the winner uh, for the Rose Hill card there today. He might have done the Sandown card, dare say, because he'll be on Sky 1. So uh, a tip that Davo can verify. A good tip today. Uh, and we'll best of them Davo will give a double pass out to via us for his Punters Pavilion Day on Friday, March 15. Uh, Dick Fane coming up shortly. Loz is over there in Vegas. And uh, we've got the team's name for the season openers on Sunday, our time, Sunday afternoon. Hello, Dick. How are you? Hey, boy. Sorry about that, folks. We got, uh, you know, when you're talking 10,000 miles away, sometimes it happens. <laughs> uh, we've got you there. We've got Loz in Vegas. And I know I asked you last week, but any further sort of, I guess, knowledge and awareness of what's going on from our perspective with the NRL in Vegas, uh, the team's about to fly in there. One team's already in there, but uh, you're seeing more and more advertisements as the games are set to be broadcast on Fox Sports over there. Oh, absolutely, and it will it will continue. And uh, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think uh, I think American sports fans are, are hungry for something a little different, um, especially something that has physicality, which certainly the NRL does. There's no question about that. And and I think uh, I'm not going to say that the, the country will be swept off their feet with one exhibition in, in Vegas, but uh, it'll certainly bring some uh, bring some attention to the sport, which is uh, fabulous to watch, not only on television, but in person. Dick, do you think people will go to the game if they've never seen or heard of rugby league before? Do you think they'd turn up because of, you know, the Chinese whispers or seeing billboards or the unknown? Will they go to the unknown? Yeah, I think that uh, I think obviously a vast majority of fans will be NRL fans already. I'm yeah. sure tons of Aussies are are out there, yeah. and that will be a, a majority of the stadium uh, at Allegiant. But you know, if I'm just on the strip and I'm seeing all sorts of advertisements for this, and you know, when you when you're out there, a lot of times when you're in Vegas, you really don't have a plan. I mean, you really don't go to Vegas with a plan. You kind of let the plan take on whatever wherever you happen to be at that time. And I think. For a Saturday night, a, a doubleheader, a season opener, I, I think people would see that and say, hey, let's go check this out. You know, we, we could either spend money to go do this or we can go to the blackjack table and lose a thousand bucks in two hours. So let's go watch. <laughs> let's go watch NRL. I think that's correct, Dick, because a lot of people that I've spoken to over here, obviously they haven't heard a lot about the game, but they've seen these um, advertisements up and you know they're going Australia you're here for the football I said yes do you know much about it no and then you start to explain it to them and they go oh wow we, we, we might go and go and watch now I don't know whether they will go and watch but I think there will be an appetite for those people that are on the strip to say hey you know what 
yet we, we won't go to that. We'll go and see this game of rugby league. It looks pretty cool. And the way that people describe it to us, similar to NFL, but without the pads and without the, the, the helmets. And it, and it sounds like a crazy type of game to go and see for the first time. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think that uh, Australia, there's some there's some cool factor about Australia here in the States. I mean, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of countries that that Americans think are particularly cool. I I think that Australia is right up there, if not at the top of the list, near the top of the list. So I think they want to see, you know, they've always heard positive things about Australia. We see the beaches. we, We hear all the stories, you know, the people that go over there like I have, you know, come back and tell everybody what a what an unbelievable place it is so I think that helps as well um, to to kind of feed that but you know everything down there on the strip is easily accessible right you hop in an uber you're anywhere you need to be in 10 minutes and so it's you don't have to overcome the hurdles of oh okay well there's this game but it's going to be a 30 minute uber ride and it's going to be kind of a hassle nothing's a hassle down there in Las Vegas Let's talk some hoops. And what about what's going on, or specifically, I guess, in the NCAA in college basketball? A lot of court storming and some uh, unsavory incidents. What's doing, Dick? Yeah, it was a really unfortunate situation. Actually, we've had two unfortunate situations in the last two or three weeks. Uh, One in a women's game where uh, Caitlin Clark, by far the most high-profile women's basketball player. I w- you know, let me rephrase that. She is the most high-profile collegiate basketball player this year, men or women. She was run over uh, after her team lost on the road court. Uh, she was run over by a fan. Fortunately, she was not seriously injured. And then this last weekend at Wake Forest, uh, Duke, who is you know, one of the prominent, preeminent college basketball teams in, in the country, they lost at Wake Forest. The Wake Forest fans stormed the court. And Kyle Filipowski for Duke, uh, you know, he was taking a lot more time getting off the court than any of his teammates were. I'm not sure the reasoning behind it. Not saying I'm blaming him for getting injured, but he was the last man standing on the court when the fans rushed on. And uh, there was a, a collision between Filipowski, who's a huge man. I mean, he's, he's nearly seven feet tall, probably 250 pounds. Uh, but he was clipped by a fan and it twisted a knee or something in the lower body. And he immediately had to be grabbed by his teammates as well as his head coach and helped off the floor uh, amidst this melee of fans. And so anytime you have a situation in sports like that, especially when there's two in a row, you, you know, we react, right? We say, oh, this has to stop. We can't have court storming anymore. And I, yeah, I think that there's probably a middle ground to it where maybe you put a, a quick highlight video on the, on the board. You have a 15-second countdown, and you say, you know, rush the court in three, two, one, just to allow the participants of the game to get off the floor and avoid harm. Hmm. So you're saying they shouldn't outlaw Dick? Because, yes, I, I, I say they yeah. shouldn't outlaw. I think it's fabulous. Um, I've been a part of court stormings before. I've been a part of field stormings before at the University of Washington. One of my most fun memories was just this last year, even though I didn't participate in the field rushing. But when the Huskies beat Oregon in that huge game uh, in Seattle in October, you know there were tens of thousands of people that rushed onto the field. There were no incidents. It was just a fabulous scene. It was great for national television. So... I think the benefits outweigh the drawbacks as long as we have some safety precautions put in place. Dick, what's the latest with LeBron's new contract? We're hearing whispers that he's looking to sign a new three-year deal. 
Yes, and I think uh, a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, his, his son coming into the NBA. He, he, he has always said he wants to play uh, with his son at some point. And, you know, you're going you're gonna to have a three-year contract. And Brian Windhorst reporting this. He's a great uh, ESPN um, writer and reporter. And he says, you know, the Lakers are looking at a three-year contract that could pay him upwards to $60 million when he's 42 years of age. And, yeah. you know, who's to say that LeBron James can't still play at 20 points, you know, seven, eight rebounds when he's 42 years of age? He's, uh, he's the, the most unbelievable physical specimen this game has ever seen. He might be the most unbelievable physical specimen that American sports have ever seen. So if anybody can play uh, successfully at 42 years of age, it would be LeBron James. Well, from LeBron to the rookie who's a dollar ten to win rookie of the year, Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> he is playing for an awful side in San Antonio, but uh, Dick, he is living up to the hype, isn't he? You know the the all time greats do, don't they? I mean, when you talk about the biggest hypes, and we were talking about this at the beginning of the year on uh, on our station. I may have mentioned it with you as well, but just talking about. The biggest hypes of young athletes in American sports over the last 40 years. And certainly Tiger Woods comes to mind. LeBron James comes to mind. Heck, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 16 years of age. Mike Tyson comes to mind. And what do they all have in common? They all achieved maybe even greater heights than we originally thought that they would have. And that's kind of what Victor Wembanyama is doing. I mean, he's averaging 21 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, and his game just continues to evolve, um, even though his team continues to lose. I mean, we're seeing field goal percentage numbers in the high 40s from him. In, in, in February, or excuse me, in January, he was over 50% from the field. Um, you know, his, his turnover numbers are a little high, which is, you know, to be, to be expected for somebody that's only 20 years of age, but you know, 10 rebounds a game, he's dishing out three or four assists. He's getting steals and blocks. He's just everywhere on the floor. And he's going to be a guy that the Spurs will be able to build a championship roster around, but it's going to take three or four years because they are a long way from a championship right now with only one great player. Just in the Western conference. What team do you believe is the best chance to beat Denver in a playoff series? Because there's a lot of teams clumped together there. Yeah, that's a great question because I would say I would say that the Timberwolves have probably the the most young talent, most up and coming young talent, but as we've talked about before, it takes experience, right? It takes experience winning and losing in the playoffs to get there. And so you got to look at the teams that have the most playoff experience. Certainly Minnesota does not. Certainly Oklahoma City does not. The Clippers do. The Suns do. Um, the Pelicans don't. So the Lakers do. So I would say probably Phoenix. Probably Phoenix. But you know, the, really the difference between Phoenix and the Clippers and even a team like the Lakers once it comes playoff time, because you know they're going to pick up their game in the playoffs, there's a very thin line between all those teams. And Denver still appears to be the team to beat in the West, even though they're still third in the Western Conference standings right now. Now, just on our text line, and someone told me this story the other day, and I'm sure you can verify it. What about the streaker at the Super Bowl, Dick? Didn't he... Uh, clean up on himself and got paid out a fortune after putting money on someone to streak. Now, I I believe he got, what, $10,000 fine, uh, 
had $1,000 on himself and collected $275,000 for all his efforts. You know, I'm looking this up right now, guys. This no is a way. story that has uh, slipped by me, but uh, you got me so intrigued that I'm <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I had someone verbally tell me this the other day, and it's just propped up on our text line. Yeah, he's, uh, he's made a, an Instagram post or a, a YouTube post saying he'll go down as a legend. Uh, he's entitled the video, How I Streaked the Super Bowl in 2024. I mean, it was mentioned on the telecast. And uh, even though the broadcasters aren't supposed to mention it, they're not supposed to show it, Tony Romo and Jim Nance did mention the, uh, the mm. streaker. But, uh, you know, his cost was $42,853 for the seats. And he got uh, and he got jail time as well. But uh, he's got a ton of followers on Instagram, and and obviously is making money off his uh, Instagram stunt. There's no question about it. Oh, Your 15 boy. minutes of fame, pop. How about that? <laughs> make a buck out of Let it. Let me go Gosh. to jail for a few extra followers. <laughs> oh. Give me a break. Uh, now, uh, obviously, we're heading towards the draft combine in the NFL. Just a couple of questions on the text line. Uh, hi, Dick Russell Wilson. Uh, of course, currently the Denver Nuggets, uh, Denver Nuggets, Denver Broncos quarterback says he's going to win a Super Bowl in the next five years. He has as much chance of winning a Super Bowl as Laurie Daly, says Graham at Currajong on the text line. <laughs> uh, but where do you think Russell Wilson is most likely to be taking a snap in week one of next season? Oh, boy. I don't think it's going to be Denver. If you listen to Sean Payton today, um, he was uh, there's a great YouTube video of him uh, that, that came out today saying, you know, he's he saw he, he saw a meme of a Denver Bronco fan with like eight quarterbacks names on a shirt and he just keeps crossing them out. And he said, we have to hope that the next quarterback doesn't get crossed out. So he was he was beyond intimating that there will be a next quarterback of the Denver Broncos. I guess some could speculate that Russell Wilson could be that next quarterback that doesn't get crossed, crossed out, but that's not how I heard it. As far as where he lands, guys, he, right now, the, the names that have been thrown out there are Atlanta and Pittsburgh. Those are the two names that I've heard the most of, but it's going to be really hard until we see what happens in the draft what happens in free agency because we need all those pieces to fall. I think Russell Wilson is going to be one of the latter pieces to fall versus one of the earlier pieces. So I think maybe he gets released fairly soon, but I don't know if he gets picked up right away when he is released. Yeah, it's amazing, Dick, though. Why would you take a punt on Russell Wilson when he's left his last two clubs yeah. in, a, in, a, in a situation where everyone was happy to get rid of him? Yeah. yeah. The, there's only one reason, guys, is that – Denver's going to be paying Russell Wilson's salary. So you're going to get, you're basically, it's a low risk move financially for you because you're basically going to be paying Russell Wilson the minimum to come in and see what he can do for you with Denver paying the freight. So if they can work out a trade of some sort and get something in, in value in return for Russell Wilson, but you know, Russell Wilson's a fairly decent commodity if you're paying him pennies, right? It's, you just don't want Russell Wilson if you have to pay him anything of significance. So I think it's worth a team taking a one-year shot on him just to see if he can give you something for, for nothing. And, and we all know how teams with decent quarterbacks that don't make any money, those are the teams that make the playoffs, right? The teams that have the good quarterbacks that aren't making any money where you can pay the rest of your team, those are the teams that win 9, 10, 11 games and makes the, make the playoffs. Maybe they're not the team that wins the Super Bowl, but they're a team that could make the playoffs. Uh, surely this call from the Chicago Bears has to be imminent and what they're going to do with the number one pick and, and their current quarterback, Justin Fields. I mean, we've got to hear about this very soon, don't we, Dick? 
I think we do. Um, there's going to be, I would imagine that there's going to be a trade, a trade down of that pick. I mean, there's so many good quarterbacks in the, in the draft. Chicago's got to make a decision on whether they want Caleb Williams at number one or whether they, whether they want to trade down, accrue a lot of draft picks in compensation, and then be able to draft a quarterback like Michael Penix, like Bo Nix, like J.J. McCarthy, any of those guys that are going to be going middle to later stages of the first round, they can still get a really solid quarterback and rebuild their roster at the same time. But, yes, Justin Fields likely is not going to be in Chicago this year. And finally, just some golf. Uh, and I see Rory McIlroy is very much a hot favorite to win the event as we head on this sort of Florida swing on the tour this week. But uh, John Rahm, uh, interesting uh, comments there. Of course, he left... Uh, to go to live, he admits he left what for the for the money as as he should, uh, and as what Tiger's did. brushed him has he Dick? Yeah, it seems that he he said uh, he was on a uh, ESPN one on one yesterday, and uh, he mentioned that yeah he he admitted he finally went all the way and admitted that he did it uh, for the money and for the family. He said, hey, listen, I'm I'm getting paid more to work less. I mean, wouldn't anybody? want that situation <laughs> yes. he said he reached out to rory McElroy. <laughs> he reached out to rory McElroy. he said rory um responded to his text and has been very supportive of him both publicly and privately and he said yeah i haven't heard back from tiger yet so uh i don't think uh, <laughs> i don't think tiger is uh, going to support him publicly or privately but uh it'll be interesting to see the the confluence of live and the pga tour over the next year or so i think uh, you know, we already have a quote-unquote agreement. Will there be an official merger at some point? I think I think there has to be at some point. Any advice for Loz in Vegas? A must-go-to restaurant slash bar or or show? Oh, guys, you know it's unfortunate. Um, it has been probably five or six years since I since I went to Vegas. I used to go to Vegas all the time, but that was pre-children. Uh, now that I have kids, I make far fewer trips down to uh, Las Vegas. But, uh, you know, the Aria is beautiful. The Palazzo has a great sports book. I love that, uh, I love that sports book down in the middle of the, middle of the strip. It's kind of stadium seating. Uh, you, you sit up there, and it's almost like you're in a theater uh, watching uh, all the games go on. It's, it's really cool. Mate, I'm straight across the road from the Palazzo. Uh, Dick, I'm just looking straight across to it. I might go and venture in there later this afternoon. There you go. Beautiful. Mate, thank you so much. Sounds good, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Give us a call, 1353-53-0419-767-272 on the text line. Just last night in the AFL, Premier's Collingwood beat Richmond by 30 points in the Community Series at Icon Park in Melbourne. Uh, the match ended with a decent melee, but uh, Jordan Degoe and Nick Dacos, they were prominent for the Pies. Tim Taranto and Dustin Martin. Had uh, bright moments for the Tigers as well. It'd be interesting to see how the Tigers go, considering a very much a new era there. Yes, of course, Damien Hardwick stepped down earlier last season, but now uh, Newt's full-time coach in Adamuze. So uh, the Tigers looking to start... Well, they were wasteful in front of goal. That was their issue last night. Five goals, 16 they kicked uh, as the Pies, the Premiers, ran over them by 30 in that one. Uh, we're going to preview. We've got one preview left, and that is the Panthers. We're going to give our top eights for season 2024 tomorrow. Uh, but uh, the Panthers, we're going to preview pretty soon. 
as they look to make it four in a row. It's amazing, really, to even think four in a row. Uh, hard to write them off, you know. Yeah, hard to pen them, that's for yep. sure. Yep. Uh, D Mariner will start on the wings, so Corey Oates misses out on the Broncos' side for their Vegas venture. Selwyn Cobbo officially making the move to the centres. Corey Jensen starts in the front row. Pia Cura has been named. Uh, he's coming off the back of a, an injury in the preseason challenge. Former Rooster Fletcher Baker is on the bench as well there. And the Roosters, Spencer Lenu named to start. Sandham Smith is the utility. So a couple of notables not in the 17. Connor Watson would have been a big candidate for that utility role, Loz. But Angus Crichton uh, listed amongst the reserves as well will certainly raise some eyebrows. Yeah, they've got a bit of depth, the Roosters, this year. And if they can keep them all on the paddy, there's going to be players that miss out. Um, there was some talk if... Uh, I was reading it in the paper online that if Dominic Young had been available for the Roosters, then Joe Swali'i might have been the player that missed out. And they were going to go with Tupo and Young on the wing and... Billy Smith and Manu in the centres. So they've got some flexibility there. Um, You've got to remember, they still can make late changes leading up to the game. Uh, Tupanua comes into that team in the back row. I think they missed him last year. Uh, Wong is, but has been named there, and I, th- I think he's a really good player. Um, but they've got some depth, you know, with Crichton. E- e- Egan Butcher uh, hasn't been named. You mentioned Kyle Watson. So there's some depth there. Um, but the Roosters' forward pack is certainly very strong. Lenu gets the start, uh, but he'll looking to make a, He'll be looking to make an impact straight away with no Jar- Jared Wira Hargreaves, uh, Smith at nine, Collins, um, the other front rower. Um, so yeah, they get a good indication to show us where they're at and what they're all about this year. The Roosters, and if they could kickstart their season with a big victory over last year's grand finalist, the Broncos, that will give them plenty of confidence. And remember, in round one last year, the Broncos knocked off Penrith. And I think everyone thought that was a bit of a surprise because Penrith lost the World Club Challenge and they were coming into this game at home, ready to start their season well. So they started slow by their standards. And then the Broncos won a couple of games. And I don't think anyone sort of started to have the Broncos on the radar I reckon it took people until possibly midway through the season before they went, yeah, hang on, the Broncos are a, a genuine threat here. Um, but, yep, yeah, I think all the good teams have depth and the Roosters certainly have that in their forward pack by the look of things. Yeah, it's, gee, if they can stay injury-free, which has been an issue for them the last couple of years, that's a powerful-looking side the Roosters have got there and some good young talent coming through when you think of the likes of Wong and Billy Smith in the centres as well. Uh, just on one well, of their... Gives, yeah, go for it, loss. It, it, it gives their halves an opportunity to work. You know, that, that's the, the big point of difference for the Roosters. So, like last year, I thought they were getting dominated and, you know, they, they really had no consistency there. Keary played well, um, but Sam Walker in and out. And Walker is a player of natural ability. He, he's got so much ability... Um, and you've got to let him thrive at times, but he's got to play within a system. Um, but it's always easier for a half if the forwards are doing their job through the middle of the park and gain that ruck speed that halves require and need. And then they've got you know strong outside backs. They're all big. You know, they carry the ball strong. So 
they'll be a handful, the Roosters, if they get it right. And one of those halves spoke to the media yesterday, Luke Heary, saying, well, and that was after his extension was confirmed. So he's extended to the end of 2025, and Keary says he gained a lot of confidence by the end of last season. He felt really good. Uh, 32 years of age now. He did play 26 games last year. He played 22 the year prior as well. The year before that, he played three, but we know he's uh, had some head knocks. But last year, he got a, got through the season pretty well scot-free as far as that situation is concerned. But uh, he's uh, certainly very positive heading into this season, Loz. And if he and Walker can combine well with that powerful forward pack and those weapons in their outside backs. No wonder they're on the third line of betting ahead of South to win the premiership. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Not not only are they a running threat, but they're an aerial threat. You know, they've got big outside backs, tall outside backs that are very good under the ball. So, you know, you can kick for them. You can kick uh, either to the wing. You can kick uh, to a, a five-eighth. So, like most, well, some five-eighths in the comp or halves are, you know, not the tallest of men. Uh, but their back rowers and their outside backs are all tall and good in the air, so you can just dink it on the, the halves' head and have someone coming through and contest it um, in the air. Uh, but the Roosters, I can understand why plenty of people are getting excited about them. You know, you look at some of the other teams, all the good teams, they, they match up well on paper, so it comes down to a bit of luck. It comes down to having your best players available, not picking up injuries, um, you know, being able to sustain it at the right period of time. You're always going to have an ebb and flow throughout the season, but it's a matter of getting yourself in the top four. That's the first goal. And then once you get to the the, the finals, you, you need to be playing your best football and have your full complement of players available. South's out two points in premiership betting in the last week with Tab. Nine out to $11 on the fourth line. The Roosters solid at $9 on the third line. Uh, on the text line, can anyone else hear an American twang in Laurie's voice? <laughs> We've all seen them, pup, those people who come back from overseas, yep. uh, from the UK or the States, and all of a sudden just have a little something underneath that voice. You know, like, Doesn't on, take long, you know. Come on, mate. Yeah. A couple Kidding of months yourself. in the UK. If you <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll come back there with an American terminology when I'm talking about rugby. <laughs> oh, my God. Rugby was good over here. Do you know where you're sitting, Loz, on Saturday? Are you are you in? Like, do you know where your seats are? Like, are you in amongst a crew, or you just randomly wouldn't have the, a clue? Wouldn't have a clue. Right? Wouldn't have a clue. No, I. Well, there's ten. I know I'm in a group of ten. Mm. Um, so wherever they are, I'll be seated. Um, but. You know, 35,000, 40,000 people in the stadium. There wouldn't be a bad seat, I'm suggesting. And it's indoors, um, so it'll be good conditions. Um, it'll be just interesting to see the style of footy and what the players have practised through the off-season because I think they will have to adjust. And I heard Adam Reynolds talk yesterday about tightening up their shapes. So you can't really get wide when you play those out-the-back shapes. It's going to have to be nice and tight. But you're going to have to try and built the front door down first. And I reckon kicking games are going to be so important, um, but you'll see a lot of crash and barge. Um, but if you get that ruck speed generated, uh, then you will see uh, the likes of, um, you know, the Reese Walshers, Tedesco's, the Turbos, um, Latrells start to show us their stuff. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just exciting just to have the opportunity to play round one here in Vegas 
to see how the game is going to be affected by a narrower field, to see how the locals that turn up, how are they going to perceive the game, how are our guys that have come over here representing our code, what type of performance are they going to put on? And I think that's the exciting part because I think they understand that it's a great opportunity for the game to set up in America and to get exposure. And if they can get the exposure thereafter, it is going to help the players and it'll help them earn more money and it'll help give the game that growth. Um, and they've got a big responsibility, and as have the referees. So it, it's going to be exciting, but it's also going to be fascinating to see how it all unfolds. We've got the last of our previews for 2024, and it is the three-time defending premiers, the Penrith Panthers, and uh, their gains and losses. Well, coming off a season, of course, where they won the competition after finishing first in the home and away season with 18 wins and six losses in the finals. They beat the Warriors 32-6. to Then they won a preliminary final against Melbourne 38-4. to So two blowouts before an incredible comeback in the grand final from 24-8 to down to beat the Broncos 26-24 and clinch that three-peat. Their gains and losses. So they've gained Dane Laurie from the West Tigers, Brad Schneider from Hull KR, and Paul Alamotti from Canterbury. Significant losses. Stephen Crichton, Jamin Semin as well have gone to Canterbury. Spencer Lenu to the Roosters. Jack Cogger and Tom Jenkins to the Knights. Zach Hosking has gone to the Raiders. They are still $4 favourites to win the Premiership. $2.10 to make the Grand Final. $3.25 to win the Minor Premiership. A dollar forty-five to make the top four, a dollar six to make the eight. For them to have a catastrophic season and miss the eight, you're getting value as you should at seven dollars. Uh, Loz, GB history, four in a row. Uh, what do you make of the Panthers' prospects, especially considering those players they've lost for season 2024? Oh, look, it's not ideal when you lose good players, but as we've seen in the past, Penrith they always have someone there ready to go. Um, and the thing about knowing that a player is leaving 12 months in advance is you get an opportunity to try and fill that position. And when you look at this Penrith team, there's not many weaknesses. The biggest challenge for Penrith this year is between the ears. It's how tough are they mentally and how hungry are they going to be to stick at it when things may not be going as well for them. Because, again... You know, looking for four in a row, teams will come harder again. Uh, so Penrith are going to up the ante. Have they got the ability to continue to do that? And it all comes back to the drive inside. It comes back to the want and the determination because if they have, they've got a very, very good roster. Um, yes, they are going to miss Stephen Crichton. Um, and I think that you know, teams will fancy themselves possibly on an edge with young Taylor May now going into the centres and Isaac Tungo, uh, the other centre. Um, oh, look, where do you start with Penrith? They've just built this confidence. They've, been, uh, you know, they've got this brick wall in defence that it's hard to break them down. Uh, they fight hard for one another. They work hard as a unit. Um, their forwards, in particular, Leota and Fisher-Harris, set a wonderful platform for Cleary and Yo to work off the back of. Well, they were outstanding in the grand final, both of those guys. Uh, they bring aggression um, and they they bring a bit of fear to the opposition. So I, I see Penrith again as the, the team to beat. I can understand why they're premiership favourites. It's going to be difficult 
to win four in a row. But there's nothing to suggest in the last three seasons, what I've seen, they're going to let anyone down. Um, but you've got to remember, the 60 minutes of the grand final, the first 60 minutes, uh, they, they looked like they were going to get lapped. And it was only Nathan Cleary's 20-minute cameo that, that got them out of a, a big hole. Um, so are they coming to the end of their run? I don't think so. I think they've still got a lot of football left in them. But I think it's going to be a difficult challenge to win it again. But from what I've seen, you'd think that they're going to be definitely top four. What about Challenge Cup losing that, loss? Does that have any impact uh, on them uh, confidence-wise or, again, no? Uh, I guess lo- understanding that they've, that they've lost... You know, you mentioned Crichton there. You just lose such an important player. Um, do they feel that or did they feel that in the Challenge Cup? I think they'd be disappointed that they let an opportunity slip by because it's a trophy that they haven't got yeah. and they would have loved to have got and they may never get the opportunity to try and win it again. Um, so they'd be looking at that as a disappointment, but it didn't affect them last year, although they did lose round one uh, against the Broncos, albeit in a tight game. Um, look, I, I think, to be fair that game will probably help build them into the season because they'll be disappointed with it. So they'll, they'll, you know, if they get away with a win, they might come back to Australia pretty happy with themselves and, um, you know, not be as sharp leading into game one. But I think taking on Melbourne, they're going to have to be at their best. There'll be no Mitch Kenny. I believe he's been stood down for a week. Yep. Um, through an a Instagram post. Um, so, so they're going to have to replace him. Sony look. Uh, Sony Luke looks like the guy that will come into that team. Uh, Jerome Luai, there's a question mark about well, whether he'll start or not. Um, and I think they just missed him over there too, Jerome Luai. I think if he plays, they'd possibly win that game. So I, I don't think they'd take too much out of it. Um, but I, I reckon the issue will be when Leota and Fisher-Harris leave the field, whether they can still establish the dominance that they created. You know, big job for Lindsay Smith, big job for Matt Eisenhuth, big job for Luke Garner and Tyrone Peachy if these are the guys on the bench. Because they'll have to, they will have to be aggressive, they'll have to be strong with their carries. And they're going to have to make sure that they they continue on what Leota and Far- uh, Fisher-Harris have, have left off. Because that's when they go into a bit of a lull sometimes, when those two guys leave the field. Well, it's probably stating the obvious, but surely this is the most vulnerable they've been in the last four years. Loss of all the players they've lost, quality players uh, since they've started winning these premierships, and you think of Coruscant, Kickout. Crichton's the biggest loss of all, though, isn't he? Um, wow, big call. Not necessarily. I, I think he was their best outside back. There's no doubt about that. And he stopped a lot of traffic. So when Penrith got into a situation where opposition sides may have created numbers, it was the ability of Stephen Crichton to assess it quickly and get the job done and stop any threat. And that's what they're going to miss this year because every team has weaknesses and every team can be exposed, but the good players and the good teams can stop it and snuff it out. That's what Crichton was very, very good at. Under pressure, making the right decision nine times out of ten 
and and stopping a raid from the from the opposition. So that that's what they're going to miss for mine. So if T- Taylor May and, and and Tungo get it right, uh, they'll go okay. But they're not going to get it right as well as Stephen Crichton did. So there'll be opportunity. So I'm thinking teams will put more points on Penrith this season. But, I mean, their, their defensive system has worked so well. And what what have they been averaging, 12 or something points per game? I, I think it's remarkable what they've been averaging. So, so I think that'll go up this year. And a lot of that is off the back of Stephen Crichton because I think they create space teams on Penrith, but he's been good enough to shut it down. So... I reckon they may get found out. And, and here we are talking about trying to nitpick and find weaknesses. They haven't got too many weaknesses, but that would be possibly one because I think he's the best defensive centre in the game, Crichton. Gee, they've got a horror draw, really. Uh, well, there's no horror draw when you're the Penrith Panthers, but Melbourne away, Parramatta and Brisbane, they're at home. Then they've got the Roosters at Allianz and Manly at Four Pines before they have a buy in round six. So that are five very difficult games to start the season. Can they do they win eighteen games again, Loz? Or is it a game or two less, perhaps? How many wins do you see the Panthers having this season? Naturally, we got them in the top four, yeah. I'm sure. But how many wins? Yeah, I got them in the top four. I, I, I think sixteen to eighteen games. Mm. I, I, I don't know whether they can win eighteen again. They, well, they can. They can win 18, um, but being a little bit more vulnerable this year, I still expect them to be top four team. I think the bookies have got it right. I, I still have them as favourites. I still have you know Nathan Cleary there in that football team, and if I look at him and, and go back and reflect on his performance in that grand final in the last 20 minutes, if he can re- replicate anything like that, then they'll always be in a contest. So, yeah, I, I would say, you know, 16 to 18 wins... I think they'll lose games throughout the season. Uh, it is a difficult start to the year, and they will be affected come origin time, and it's how they handle that. But we've seen in the past with Penrith, they've just got this ability to be able to replace a player and they get the job done. And that's what all the good teams of every decade have been able to do. They've been able to to replace players and have young guys come in, play a game or two, do the job, and then wait for their opportunity when they next get called up. I wonder if he got to Old Trafford to see Fulham beat Manchester United 2-1 Ooh. on the weekend. That a Penn Gilly. Good morning, mate. How are you? Why, Good to have you why, home. Why do you have to ask me? You know, why do you have to ask that question? <laughs> Were you there? <laughs> um, yes. The answer to that question is yes. No, yes. you're allowed to lie, Adam. In this instance, well, you're allowed to lie to us. Well, well Clarky, there, there, there is quite a funny story to it, actually, oh, because no. I, I did want to go, but I... I was a little bit concerned about trying to get to Wigan on time for what was my primary job going over there to cover the World Club Challenge. So I, um, I actually left the game with about five minutes to go in normal time. And United were down 1-0. And I, I just got outside the ground and they scored to make it one all. I didn't even oh see them score the goal. So um, anyway, Fulham scored in stoppage time anyway. So what can you do? They played very, very poorly, Mido. I think you'd probably even admit that. Yeah, no, they, oh, he, they loves, he loves to admit that. Sorry, well, I saw the coaches having a whinge because Jamie Carragher criticised them. I mean, you lost to Fulham at home. Yeah. Of course, anyway, you should be criticised. Anyway, anyway get off it. United, would you? We yeah. don't go easy. Uh, buddy, what did you make of the World Club Challenge? We, we just had a Loz just spoke briefly about Penrith and yep. what we can expect this season. Um, and I think there's been a lot of talk back here about the refereeing and bunker. Mm. Um, no, but what did you joke. make of the game? 
Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, first, first of all, on the on the video referee decision that ultimately turned out to be the the try that won the World Club Challenge for Wigan. Um, when you're at the ground, you, you sort of get a bit caught up. You can't sort of quite see the big screen as as, as good as maybe you can at home, obviously on a TV. And I, I thought, oh, I don't know if that's a try. And it came up, and I thought, okay, fair enough, they've gone with it. It wasn't until I got home and had a look at it properly. I thought, geez, how did they come up with that decision? That was a that was a terrible decision. I actually spoke to um, Brian Toto in the sheds afterwards. He was the one who made the tackle with Dylan Edwards on on Jake Wardle, and he said there was absolutely no way in the world he got anywhere near the line. And he actually said his quote quote unquote lying is a sin, and he was lying about scoring that try. So that was what his thoughts were on that decision. I, I thought overall, Clark, he was a it was a good game. I thought it was a really good game. I thought the ruck was terribly slow. Uh, Wigan got away with a lot in the ruck, and they, they really stifled the Panthers' momentum. I was a little bit surprised at how clunky Penrith was in attack. It's probably understandable, given that where they are in, in terms of their season. It's their first hit out of the year. Wigan's already played one competition game. They've had a couple of trials, so um, they were sort of a little bit more forward in their preparation. I, I couldn't believe, and I don't know if you saw this, Laws, how, how many times the Panthers got caught in possession on the last tackle in that first half. I think I counted six times with inside Wiggins 30. They got caught in the last tackle. And then when they went to a kick final, the average Miski dropped it and they scored a try for it. I thought that was a little bit strange. I think Ivan sort of said that it was part of their plan to, to try and run the ball a little bit on the last because of the short in goals and, and trying to, mm-hmm. uh, I suppose, get those kicks in the right position was going to be a little bit difficult on a greasy surface. But the one thing I will say, boys, and my main takeaway from the from the game is I'd never been to a rugby league game over there in England before a Super League game. The atmosphere was absolutely incredible. I don't know if it came through on the TV for you guys watching yeah. back home, but the noise in that stadium mid was almost like something I haven't seen before, to be honest. Like, we have good atmosphere for State of Origin games, grand finals, stuff like that. This was just a little bit different, and just the singing and the chanting was just phenomenal all night, and when they started booing after the Australian national anthem, you knew it was going to be on, didn't you? So, um, yeah, that was one thing I really, really enjoyed was the atmosphere inside that DW Stadium. Yeah, they love their footy and they get right behind their team, Adam, and it's always difficult to go over there and win. And they always are very competitive, but you just got the feeling that Penrith were going to get away with it in the mm. end. But they came up close, but they, they weren't sort of good enough and, and a little bit rusty. You're, you're right, though, with you know, Penrith running the ball. But I, I thought... Wigan did a really good job in terms of uh, rushing, but also closing down the space when they, when you know Nathan was looking inside, uh, looking outside, and then looking for a uh, another runner on the inside where he has a lot of success, where he dummies or goes himself. I, I thought they mm. shut him down and defended really, really well. Yeah, I think you're right, and the pressure they applied to Nathan, in particular Jack Cole, and that in that first half, probably forced a few errors that you, you wouldn't usually see from from Penrith. So I can only give credit to Wigan. I know there's gonna, there's been a lot of talk about that video referee decision, but to be fair to Wigan, they played out of their skins. And it's hard to it's hard to under, underscore like how much that game needs to, to the British team who qualifies as a Super League champions. Like, I know it's easy to say this, but I think it just, it just means just that little bit more to them because it's a chance for them to prove that they belong on the big stage. And Penrith took the game extremely seriously and are desperate to win, but... The amount of effort they put into it at the start of the year over there for, for a team that wins the Super League to, to win that World Club Challenge is phenomenal. So I can only tip my hat to Wigan. They were fantastic and, um, yeah, deserved winners. Racing, Storm Boy, the Golden Slipper favourite, $2.80 currently in that uh, all-in market. And it's thirty all-in to win the Skyline as it's set to return for the Waterhouse Bot Stable on Saturday. He's short, isn't he, Mido? But which, where do you look like... <laughs> Just looking at the nominations, the field will be declared a little bit later this morning, obviously. It's hard to see what's going to beat him. And 
I reckon Gay and Adrian will just leave just a little bit in the tank, obviously, to, to be right to go and for the slipper in a few weeks' time. They won't want to sort of overtax him too much for this lead-up run. So maybe if there's going to be a run where he's going to be vulnerable, it could be in the skyline on Saturday. Having said that, I think he's got a little bit of class edge on, on most of these. Do I want to dive into $1.30? Oh, I don't know. It's hard to take a dollar thirty about anything, particularly two-year-olds. But um, he certainly looks like clearly the horse to beat. Will the Hayes boys dive into the Doncaster with Mr. Brightside after the win? Oh, I'd given? love, I'd love to see it, Loz. I really would love to see it. I, I doubt it. I think it's extremely unlikely they're going to go down that path. But given no horse has won the Doncaster in the past three times, and let alone won it three times in a row. There's a lot of history at the, for the taking there, isn't there, um, in a few weeks' time. But given his preparation, he'll go to the All-Star Mile, obviously. And then, well, given how thin our weight for age ranks are at the moment, the Queen's mistakes the following week for, was it, four or five million dollars? It's like a really attractive race. So at this stage, Loz, I'm saying no. Um, from a, a punter's point of view and a racing fan point of view, I'd love to see it. It'd be great to see him have a crack at history. But I think at this stage, it's probably going to be unlikely he'll have a crack at a, a third straight Doncaster. Thanks, mate. Have a good day. See you, boys. Chat tomorrow.